Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, growing in faith and friendship. Galatians chapter 5 and verses 16 to 25. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, and factions, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and the alike. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So we continue in our series through the book of Galatians, entitled Freedom in Jesus, and today we're looking at Galatians chapter 5 and verses 16 to 25, which is very appropriate for Pentecost Sunday because it's all about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and empowers us and transforms us. You see, when you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that's the very presence and the power of God comes into your life, it flows into your life, it unites you to Jesus, and it transforms you. It makes you into a new creation, a whole new person. And the the result of that is that we bear the fruits of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Isn't that amazing? And uh, You know, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 that the same Spirit, the same presence and power of God, that same Spirit that rose, that raised Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit is in you. I mean, just think about that for the moment. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit is in you. We have an incredible power within us. We have an incredible power and potential for change, to become a better person, to to become more loving, more selfless, to become everything that God created us and called us to be. It's incredible. But we need to ask ourselves the question, Are we not settling for too little? Aren't you settling for too little? Aren't I settling for too little? I mean, how much have you changed so far? Of course, you have changed, but but look at how much further you have to go. And look at what you're settling for. And look what we have. We have the very presence and the power of God living in us. If if I'm honest, I'd have to admit that that I still struggle with selfishness. I I still get impatient 
especially when I'm in slow traffic or the computer freezes. I, I still get irritable and frustrated and angry. I mean, just ask Victoria. And I still struggle with selfish desires and ambitions. I don't always put other people first. And I still get anxious. And, and I don't do the good. I don't always do the good that I want to do. Why is this the case? Why, why do we still struggle with selfishness? I mean, if we have the Holy Spirit, why do we still struggle with selfishness? Well, Paul writes in verse 17. He says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. You see, although when we put our faith in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, we still have the same old flesh. We still have the same old body with the same old mind, which seems to be hardwired, predisposed, pre-programmed to selfishness. This is what's called the flesh. And the flesh has these desires. Now, Now, the English word desire... It's too weak of a translation. The the older translations use the word lusts, which is a better translation, but it's a bit misleading because we always associate lust with sex, and the desires of the flesh is for anything. It can be sex or anything else. But, But it's just as strong as a lust. One definition of the Greek word that's translated desire is an excessive, self indulgent craving that displaces proper affection for God. It's this intense craving for something, believing that that something will truly satisfy you. But it never will, because only God can truly satisfy you. And so your craving just increases and increases. And so you can see how the the cravings of the flesh is in complete opposition and conflict with the desires of the Spirit. And it's because of these cravings of the flesh that we don't do the good that we want to do. And everyone, every follower of Jesus has this internal conflict. This this conflict between the cravings of the flesh and the desires of the Spirit. So how do we respond to this inner conflict. How do we respond to this inner conflict? Well, there are three ways. One, three ways we could respond. One is lawlessness. Two is legalism. And three is walking in the Spirit. So firstly, lawlessness, which is being a slave to self. It means you simply gratify the cravings of the flesh. You merely give in. Give in to all the cravings of the flesh. After all, you could argue, God has forgiven us freely. God doesn't mind. It's not about rules. It's about grace. And so as long as it feels satisfying to me, as long as I'm being true to myself, then it's okay. Anything goes. 
And this was a real danger within the church in Galatia. It was a real danger that they would abuse God's forgiveness and grace as a license to merely gratify the cravings of the flesh. And it's a real danger today as well. And so Paul warns them in verses 19 to 21. He says the acts of the flesh are obvious. That, that, that's the, the outworkings, the result of the cravings of the flesh. It is obvious and plain for everyone to see. Sexual immorality, impurity, that's moral impurity, debauchery, that, that's lustful pleasures, idolatry and witchcraft. I mean, that's a terrible list, but it goes on and it includes hatred, discord, that, that's arguing and quarreling, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, that's divisions and fractions, that's group splits. And envy and drunkenness and orgies, that's wild parties with excessive eating and drinking and substance abuse that leads to all kinds of immorality. And the like, which pretty much covers it. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is warning us of the very real consequences of merely gratifying the cravings of the flesh. And he says, if you walk down that path, if you just give in to all your selfish and self-centered desires and ambitions, this is the kind of action, this is the kind of attitudes that you're left with. And it's a horrible list. And it will destroy relationships. It will destroy your relationships with other people. It will destroy your relationship with God. And ultimately, it will destroy you. The second way we could respond, the second way we could respond is by legalism. That, that's, that's been a slave to the law. Uh, a way you could overcome, try to overcome this conflict, the cravings of the flesh, is, is by trying really, really hard. <laughs> you, you can just try really, really hard to overcome all those cravings. And you could try really, really hard to obey all the commands in the Bible. And this is what many in the, the church in Galatia were doing. They were trying really, really hard to obey the laws of Moses, to obey the Bible as a way to, to overcome those cravings of the flesh. But the problem with that is that it just leads to legalism. And, and at best... You could produce a Christmas tree as opposed to a real life tree, if you know what I mean. You know, a, a Christmas tree looks alive, doesn't it? With all the sparkling lights and multicolored decorations. But after Christmas, what do we do? We, we fold it up because it's not real. Or we throw it away because it's dead. It has the appearance of being alive but it's actually dead. It, it, it looks like there's fruit growing on it, but it's not. It's just been decorations that have been bolted on the outside. The inside is dead, and, and there's nothing growing from within. The, the problem with legalism is that it leads to guilt and despair or pride. Let me explain. You see, if you try to produce 
the fruits of the Spirit by just working really, really hard, you'll fail. You won't be able to do it. And then you will feel guilty. You'll feel like a failure. You will give up in despair. And, and you will think, it's just too hard. It's, it's impossible to change. Or it will lead to pride. Where, where what will happen is you will produce, at best, an imitation fruit. You, you will act as though you're loving. You will act as though you're joyful. You will act as though you've got this inner peace. But it'll be inauthentic. It, it won't be real. It won't be coming from within. It'll just be bolted on the outside. Because the tree is dead. And the other problem, of course, is with legalism, is it just heightens, it just increases the cravings of the flesh. You know, if, just for example, say you're struggling with, with sexual temptation, and you say to yourself, well, I'm just not going to look at anyone of the opposite sex. I just won't look, don't look, don't look. You try to do that, it's just going to heighten and increase the cravings of the flesh. Your heart will just start to produce more impure thoughts. Because laws and rules can never change your heart. The law is powerless to change your heart. At best, it, it, it will create imitation fruit, like, like Christmas decorations on the outside. And you might be able to fool other people. You might even be able to fool yourself for a while, but it will never last. That fruit will never last because it's inauthentic. It's merely Decorations bolted on the outside rather than intrinsic, organic, authentic fruit growing from within. So how should we respond to this inner conflict between the flesh and the spirit? Is there another way? Well, the troublemakers, remember those Jewish followers of Jesus from Jerusalem who'd come up to Galatia? They had told the Galatians, there is no other way. Jesus has forgiven you. He set you free from sin. Now, now you've got a choice. You either obey the law of Moses or you will fall into lawless gratifying of the sin of the flesh. Gratifying all the cravings of the flesh. Those are two options, either legalism or lawlessness. But is there a third way? Is there another way? Well, Paul says yes, and that's the way of the Spirit. And the way of the Spirit avoids the pitfalls of legalism and lawlessness, and the way of the Spirit leads to true freedom. Imagine for a moment you're driving a car down this long, empty, straight road. You're driving along. If you take your hands off the steering wheel, that car will slowly start drifting to the left, and then it will crash into the curve, into the ditch. Or it will slowly start drifting to the right and crash into the other ditch. And it's the same with the Christian life. If you're not being led by the Spirit, if you're not walking by the Spirit, you will slowly drift into legalism. Or you'll slowly drift into lawlessness. It's only 
When we're walking by the Spirit, when we've been led by the Spirit, that we're able to drive down the road in a straight line on the road that leads to freedom, true freedom. And it leads to the fruits of the Spirit, which is love, real love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. The singer Robbie Williams uh, shares about how on one occasion when he was in L.A., how he went on a spending spree. He, he literally bought several cars, including a brand new Ferrari, a brand new Porsche, a brand new Mercedes-Benz. About a week later, he wished he hadn't bought a single one of them. You see, he was merely giving in to the the cravings of the flesh, thinking that they would bring satisfaction, real satisfaction. Robbie Williams is really honest, open, ruthlessly honest about his self-obsessions and addictions. In his song, Feel, he sings, I just want to feel real love. And the love ever after. There's a hole in my soul. You can see it on my face. It's a real big place. We all have a desire for real love. We all have that hole in our soul. And you can't fill it with cars, with wealth, with success or drugs. It's a God-shaped hole. It can only be filled by the Holy Spirit. It is a spiritual hunger and thirst that only the Holy Spirit can fill. Because the Holy Spirit is real love. That's why Paul says in verse 16, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Doesn't that strike you as odd? He doesn't say, walk by the Spirit, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. No, he says, you will not. It's a promise. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the cravings of the flesh. Now, that doesn't mean that the the cravings of the flesh magically disappear. I mean, that would be nice, but he doesn't say that. He says you won't give in to it. You won't give in to those cravings. Why? Is it because we have to try really, really hard? No, it's simply because we are walking by the Spirit. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that enables us and empowers us to walk like Jesus walked. That's why Paul says in verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If we've been led by the Spirit, we're not under the law of Moses. We're not under the condemnation of the law, nor are we under the authority of the law. It's not the law, the the, the law of Moses or the, the commands in the Bible that lead us. No, it's the Holy Spirit that leads us and directs our life. So all we have to do, so there's no more legalism. It's not about rules, obeying rules. All we have to do is surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit's leading and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us forward. How can we ensure that we are led by the Spirit? Paul says in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We need to crucify the flesh. 
Okay, so what does that mean? Well, Jesus calls all of us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Uh, the phrase, take up our cross, uh, doesn't really shock us, doesn't really make the impact that it should anymore. We, we often make jokes about it. We all say, oh, I've got this horrible toothache. Oh, we all got a cross to bear. We, we make jokes, and we, we trivialize it. We, we, make it. we make the cross being a minor discomfort or an irritation that we have to bear. Nobody in the first century would joke about the cross like that. The cross was too much of a gruesome death. It was too much of a, a painful execution to, to make jokes like that. It's kind of like trying to make a joke about archfits. Nobody would do that. It's, it's unthinkable. To take up your cross means to take your cross and to carry it to the point of crucifixion where you're going to suffer and die. Taking up your cross is about dying to self. Dying to self-interest and living for Jesus. And we all did that when we put our faith in Jesus. Putting our faith in Jesus is all about dying to self and living for Jesus. And the way we, we crucify the flesh is by doing that daily. In Luke, in his version, in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, he adds the word daily. Take up your cross daily. That means every day we need to remind ourselves that we have died to self and we're living for Jesus. Every decision we make, we need to remind ourselves we've died to self and we're living for Jesus. And, and we simply do that by asking the question, what would Jesus do? And then doing it. And it needs to become a habit. We need to be constantly aware of Jesus' presence with us by his Holy Spirit. Constantly asking, what would Jesus do? That's how we crucify the flesh. It's, it's that simple, but it's not easy. Secondly, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. Paul says in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, I can remember when I was in secondary school, we used to have to do cadets. Uh, and we used to, a whole class would have to go out and we have to go marching in our cadet uniform. And I was always amazed how everyone in my class, except for me, everyone else was out of step. I was the only one who was in step. Now, of course, to produce the fruits of the Spirit, we need to make sure we're in step with the Spirit. How do we do that? By working really, really hard, trying really, really hard to produce the fruits of the Spirit as if it's another set of rules that we now need to obey? No, of course not. We keep in step with the Spirit by surrendering to the Spirit, by opening ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. And the way we do that is to ensure that we're always tuned in to the Holy Spirit, that, that, that we're in tune to the Spirit's promptings. Whenever we need to make a decision, we need to be tuned in to the Holy Spirit's promptings. If we suddenly feel really uncomfortable inside, it's probably the Holy Spirit prompting you not to do that. Whereas if you have this deep sense of peace within you, that's probably the Holy Spirit prompting you that you're in step with the Spirit. And the way we should ensure that we're always tuned in to the Holy Spirit is by regularly spending time reading our Bible and praying, by regularly meeting together with other Christians for worship, 
for, for communion, to encourage one another. But by falling in love with God, by becoming captivated by Jesus, by being blown away by how awesome Jesus is and allowing his love and his compassion and his forgiveness and his goodness and his kindness and his generosity to come into us and transform us. You see, sometimes while we don't have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we just don't see how beautiful. How awesome, how awe-inspiring Jesus is. We just don't see it. But when we read the Gospels, when we pray, when we're gathering for worship, we become captivated by Jesus and we start walking in step with the Spirit. And our conscience slowly becomes more in tune to that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit Leading us. And the inevitable result is that the Holy Spirit, very gradually and mysteriously, but inevitably, will produce an intrinsic, organic, authentic fruit. Not, not, not fruit that's merely bolted on the outside like Christmas decorations, but an authentic, intrinsic fruit. That comes from within, and it will produce a harvest of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you want more of that harvest in your life? I sure do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've done it all for us. You died on the cross for us. You took our flesh with you on the cross. And, and, you, and when you died, you, you crucified our flesh so that we could be free from it. And then you send your Holy Spirit into our lives to, to empower us, to enable us, and to transform us, and to produce this wonderful harvest in our life. Father, we pray that you help us to keep in tune, in step with your Spirit. That we would always be led by your Spirit. That we would always walk by your Spirit. Father, help us to never fall into the, the two dangers of, of legalism or lawlessness. But help us to always be led by your Spirit. And we thank you that if we led by your Spirit, it leads to freedom. True freedom and real love. So, Father, we pray that you would breathe your spirit upon us afresh today. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.